Doctrine and Devotion is sponsored by our friends at Media Gradier. Media Gradier is a small nonprofit ministry that makes amazing documentaries and multimedia Bible studies. This week, we want to tell you about their project, Behold Your God, Rethinking God Biblically, Multimedia Bible Study. Stay tuned for more details or head on over to themeansofgrace.org. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jim Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. What up, what up? Nothing. What's up with you? Getting it done. Yeah. Getting it done. Yep. We got the Advent series. Oh, yeah. We got that buttoned up, mm-hmm. which is nice. No, what nice. we're preaching on, Jimmy and I are preaching. I'm preaching the the first day, the first Sunday of Advent. You're, you've got the second, second and the third. third. I got the fourth That's one. That's it. Yep. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It, it, Christmas Eve is going to be interesting because a lot of our listeners know we have a, a medium-sized church, over 300 people yep. on Sunday, 350, 340, whatever. And uh, we only have, we can only fit 150 people. In our yeah, let's space. see how that goes, huh? So we have to have three services. And so now the question is, is do we do right, two are we going to do two uh, services for Christmas Eve? Mm, Not feeling that. Wish I could be there. Mm, you going to be gone Christmas Eve? Yeah. I'll come. I'll be in Canada. Do they I'll, even celebrate Christmas again? Yes, they do. I'll be on uh, Vancouver I they did, like, Island. Boxing yep. Day or something. Instead of, don't they do Boxing there, Day? There is Boxing Day, but yeah, no, it's a they, they day. celebrate can, uh, Christmas. They shouldn't be allowed to. Well, they shouldn't be allowed to. No. They're not allowed to have. So yeah, no, I'll be uh, on Vancouver Island there. Up, I think at that point, Mount Washington. Why are they naming their mountains after us? <laughs> after us? Like I don't understand what that's all about either. That's weird. They're, they they stole the French language. They stole the English language. Why don't they have? Why don't they speak Canadian? They, well, why don't they do? No, they don't. They they do. They have their own slang and everything. That's those accent. That's nah, like, nah, that's nah, just nah, regional no, stuff. Slang. Regional nomenclature. So you know, like, yeah. Okay, hoser. Yeah, that's a good one though. Yeah, I do like. That. Do you know any other ones? Uh, uh Took. Tuke, okay, good. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Tuke, yeah. Timmy's, Loonies and Toonies. Okay, Loonies. But do you know what Timmy's is? Tim Hortons. Oh, good, good. Double, double. Boil in trouble. No, that's how you take your coffee at Timmy's. It's two cream, two sugar. Double, double. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you know what a two for is? Two for one. Right. No, twenty four pack. Uh, Suitcase. Forty eight pack. Twelve pack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Of, a lot of the the slang has to do with uh, you know coffee. Uh, or no, 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 uh, you know. Oh, uh, beer. beer. That was, those were yes, beer. Yes. Yeah, the Canadians Molson do. Muscle? Go, go ahead. So the Canadians like beer. Um, maple syrup? No, what? Mol- no, Molson Muscle. That's uh, beer gut. No, I know. I'm just saying. Like, they like beer and they like maple syrup mm-hmm. and they like poutine. W- poutine. Yep. Uh, is that it? Which is just slopping gravy. Or, is it gravy on fries? Cheese it, it's on? a gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Gravy on fries and cheese curds. Yep. All right. Come on, man. You just got to give her and, uh, and go for it. No. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know. Well, you know what? Actually, I think I might be speaking in Canada. <laughs> better start oh, being yeah. nice. Oh, yeah. You better start being hey, nice. Canada, huh? mm. I'm just joking, everybody. Mm. Hey, Canada. Do you, do you want me to teach you some of the language? I do not. You Why? know I don't do that. Well, you should. Why uh, no, can't you I just do be me. respectful? I do. I'll be respectful, but no, I mean myself. No, first of all, you are not respectful. I'm super you sat respectful. There, you, tur- you, you sit there and make fun of Canada all these years, and then now you're speaking yeah. there. Once you're getting paid, all of a sudden you play. Oh, no, I'm still going to say the Paid stuff to I play. say. Paid I'm to play. I'm still going to say what I say. Paid to play. And by the way, if you're wearing a stupid hat. A toque. You're going to get made fun of. 
And out of uh, Canada, you're one of the countries that's wearing a stupid hat. So sometimes you're going to get made fun of for it. It's fine. So what province are you going to? I wow. don't know. I, I I don't know. You know me. I don't Ontario? know. Ontario. I'm assuming Ontario. I think, it, I think it's it's in the that reads that particular region. What Alberta? I don't. I, don't, I, I have no idea. I Manitoba. Know. I don't know. I just told you, I don't know. You can keep saying it. You're like the guy. You're the guy. That <laughs> Where's Columbia? You, hey, man, you know that you know that dude in uh, in your class in your. Are you going class? to Nova Scotia? And then I'm like, no, I don't know that guy. And then you're like, yeah, you know him. Are you hanging with the Newfies? All right. Yeah. What are we talking about today? <laughs> We're talking about the 1689. We're going uh, chapter 22, paragraph three. We're still on religious worship and the Sabbath day. And in this particular paragraph, we get into an integral part of our worship, which is. Prayer. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and read this. Prayer with thanksgiving being one part of natural worship is by God required of all men, but that it may be accepted. It is to be made in the name of the son by the help of the spirit, according to his will, with understanding, reverence, humility, fervency, faith, love, and perseverance. And when with others in a known tongue, in a known tongue, known tongue, not them unknown tongues. No, no, no. It's a, not, not, not oh. that glossolalia. <laughs> I couldn't pronounce it. It was. A, it's you're almost speaking tongues tongue when you tongue. say glossolalia. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, yeah, man. So prayer is prayer is designed to be this lifeblood of faith. It's supposed mm. to be this ongoing, natural part of our lives. We're supposed to pray without ceasing, and in prayer, it is abs. It's not just critical. It's supposed to be integral and interwoven into into all that we're doing right yeah. i mean it's just like anything like, all of the spiritual disciplines are to be joined with prayer if you read in your bible prayer should be a part of it fellowship prayer should be a part of it, it should yeah. all be connected in some way so it says prayer with thanksgiving being one part of natural worship is by god required of all men and if this is the case we you know it sort of begs the question as to why or it forces us to ask the question yeah. is how I should say it. it forces us to ask the question, why does it see, why does prayer seem to occupy such a small place in corporate worship? Mm. It's almost like we push through it to get to something else. Yeah. You know, we use it as a means for resetting the stage. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a good We're going to pray oh. now. Yeah, what, how are we going to make sure this is smooth? Well, we'll just yeah, have how, how are we going to transition from when the band leaves yeah. to when the, when the pastor comes up? Yeah. We'll do a prayer. Yeah. And then everyone, while everyone's eyes closed, we're sneaking off the stage. And they open like up. Like it's Harry Houdini. They open their eyes up and like, surprise. Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> how they do that? <laughs> I was praying. I didn't even know. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's strange. And on the one hand, like there are people that will rail against the notion, like against the, against the absence of prayer, the lack of prayer mm. in worship. But on the one hand, I, I'd want to say, well, you know, the, the, the greatest pastors and theologians have, have said, be careful that you don't pray too long, especially, you know, publicly. So it, it's not that you, you, you're not going to sustain the whole service by praying for, you know, uh, you know, 30 minutes. Yeah. But it, it is, it is a very fair question, observation, and I think critique that there isn't much prayer going on in the average evangelical church's corporate worship. Yeah. It's not part of the, well, it's it's often not a well thought of, thought out part of yeah. the liturgy. Yeah, it's like well, they don't, and and because liturgy, formal liturgy isn't given uh, a lot of thought, especially as we understand, you know, the classic part, components of of reformed liturgy, where there is a prayer of confession, for example. Yeah. Um, it's more of just like, hey, I'm going to thank God for this thing right now and ask Him for His grace as we transition into the next thing, but. 
there are ways to pray mm. and times to pray uh, in our corporate worship that we should be leveraging and implementing. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think there's there's uh I mean, the lead prayers, right? Like, like you said, the call to worship, the confession. Mm-hmm. And what about like the pastoral prayer? Yeah. It sounds very official. What's, what is that pastoral prayer? Well, pastoral prayers are just prayers that are offered up by an elder. Um, and so like, you know, a call, and now some traditions would say the pastor should be doing all of this. We disagree. We think yeah. many different people can lead out in prayer during our corporate worship, all under the authority of our elders. Um, so, but whether it's a, a call to worship, a confession or a general pastoral prayer or something by one of the members of the worship band before, after a song or whatever. What's happening is one of those people, somebody is leading the congregation in praying to God in a particular way. Mm. So in a call to worship, that's something that happens on the front end of the worship service. Typically there's a, there's a reading of scripture, the the revelation. There's a, what we call the revelation. There is a, it's not like a, you know, charismatic revelation. It's just, we're reading God's revelation is yeah, all that that yeah, is. Yeah. Um, but so with the call to worship, you're calling the people of God to worship. And in that context, there is a prayer that is offered up. So our reader uh, does that for the mm-hmm. day. Um, the prayer of confession is offered up by an elder. That's typically the preaching guy that's up there at the time. Um, if we have a guest preacher, it's one of the, it's one of our elders and, and the prayer or of conf- elder candidate or an elder candidate. Yep. Right. And so this is where, um, the, the the pastor, elder, elder candidate leads the congregation in a confession of sin yep. where we give time to not only acknowledge our sins and faults, but ask God to uncover the hurtful ways in us. We admit our need for his grace. Um, we commit to repenting and, and turning away from our sins. Um, and, you know, so like in, in the prayer of confession, and when we do the prayer of confession, by the way, we always end with not only confessing our sins, but but we confess our sins with confidence because we confess Christ as Savior. Yeah. So that's kind of how we yeah. end. And then before and after a song, why would we pray if it's not a prayer of confession or a call to word? Why would we pray before or after a song? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, we do it because uh, we're we're we might have just read a scripture passage, right? That's like there's a responsive reading. Yep. Uh, and so we'll pray during that part. Uh, but then also just even reflecting upon what it is we just sang, yeah. right? Or what we're about to sing, right? right? And so, uh, because what we're singing, I mean, all, all this, when we're talking about prayer and worship, uh, and especially our, our Sunday morning gatherings, they're focused on the word of God. And so when we're, when we're praying these things and when we're singing these things, uh, we're just, we're acknowledging the revealed word of God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's helpful. It's needed. Um, and, and so like the, these, these lead prayers, mm. which is maybe the wrong way because it makes them sound like they're really heavy and not very valuable <laughs> lead. Mm. But, um, the, these lead prayers, it's important to keep in mind that the congregation isn't sitting and watching somebody pray. Yes. They're not sitting and listening to somebody pray. Yeah. It's not a passive participation. Yeah. Right. We're actively participating. We are praying together. One person may be saying the words out loud, but we are praying with that person. We are praying together. And I know some people, and I think it's, I think it's rather, cause I've heard pushback like, well, you know, what about us praying? Well, we are praying. Okay, we are all praying. But you can also do something like a time of silence where mm. you say, hey, we're going to spend some time right now. Like we'll do this more. This typically for us would happen during confession. Yeah. Take, we're going to take some time here. Not a lot of time. But we're going to take some time to be quiet and, and search our hearts and confess our sins to God. But uh, yeah, a lot of churches aren't so fond of that. You mm. know, it's a little. Yeah, they don't, they don't like that. A little awkward. Yeah. yeah. A little quiet. Any, any part of silence is, is 
not desired. Yeah. Like, it feels like it disrupts the flow. Yeah. We're, hang on. And maybe, maybe that's what we need, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's disrupt your pre-planned man-made flow. Yeah. And let the spirit flow. Oh, speaking mm. of which, let yeah. the spirit flow. Yeah. What about open prayer, Joe? Open I mean, prayer. If, if, I mean, the priesthood of all believers and, and people have the spirit with mm. them as they're praying. Are oh. you suggesting open prayer, meaning you put mics out and let anybody come up and pray? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, heck no. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, pray, open prayer is a cool thing. A lot of churches do, do that. Uh, particularly churches that are a bit more charismatic mm-hmm. uh, tend to do that. Not just them, though. Um, sometimes and smaller, smaller, I would say smaller family-oriented yeah. churches where everybody really knows one another. Um, open prayer can be a, a great thing. Uh, we don't do that uh, at a, on a Sunday morning service, but uh, but it's definitely a thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and some people are going to ask us, so why wouldn't you guys do it? I guess the reason we don't do it is because we do believe, like the scripture says, that everything needs to be done in an orderly way. Mm. And um, we don't feel it's necessary. Uh, the... Not that it isn't beneficial. We don't think it's necessary. And so we choose not to do it. Uh, and sure, there's probably a little bit of fear factor in there. We get a lot of visitors. Well, and that's just it. How do you, how Somebody do you, and I think up. that's really what it comes down to as well. When you're talking about, uh, we're called to have an orderly worship as the church grows. Now, how do you pick and choose who's, you know, because there's inevitably a lot of people are going to come up. Got to have a cutoff. You're going to have to have a cutoff. And how, how do you sit there and say, sorry, you didn't make the cut for open prayer? Microphone number three. I'm sorry. The time is up. Yeah. Microphone and, I mean, I do, and we, you know, at some point you're going to have to have a, like walk off music. Yeah. Right. You know, cause. Yeah, some people can be long winded. Yeah, and I'm sorry. There, you know, we do have multiple services and uh, and it's number a really of good point. Inter- yeah, number of people in the congregation. Mm-hmm. So, um, so in this beautiful paragraph, uh, we are told uh, how to pray. Like, what what kind of prayer is valuable? Yep, uh, it says, but that but that it may be accepted, it is to be made in the name of the Son by the help of the Spirit, according to His will, with understanding, reverence, humility, fervency, faith, love, and perseverance, and with and when with others in a known tongue. Get that known tongue going. Yep. So first, I mean, it's 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 in the name of Jesus. John yeah. fourteen thirteen to fourteen says, "Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it." Okay, so it, if you've been a believer for more than fifteen minutes, uh, you'll know that. This is not an absolute statement that doesn't have nuance to it. Um, you could ask for sinful things to happen. Uh, Jesus isn't going to do them. You know that um, we ask for many things, uh, even in the name of Jesus, to which he says, no, that's not good for you, or I'm mm-hmm. not going to give you this now. So we have to have a more full-rounded understanding of of what that what Jesus means when he says that. And just to cut it short, um, when we pray in the name of Christ, uh, in his name, mm. right? That's really the idea. Um, when we... we, we uh, according to his will like that's that's the underlying assumption there so it's yeah. yes we're praying in his name but if it's according to his will then he does answer he is kindly disposed to us as our father is um in heaven and and jesus as our savior but the, to pray in the name of jesus doesn't just mean saying in jesus name that's that's not uh that's not exactly what it means it means that when we pray we pray 
trusting Christ, um, knowing that we have access to God by grace and through the mercy and the merits of Jesus. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not that, uh, that it's not the uttering of a special incantation in Jesus name that makes it effective. It is praying to the father through the son with the help of the Holy spirit. Mm. Uh, That's really the idea. But, but does that, so do you have, but do you have to say in Jesus name? I mean, is saying in Jesus name important? I mean, I think it's good, but I, I think your question is like, if you don't say it, does that mean your prayer doesn't count? And I don't think that's valid. I had a pastor friend oh, who was getting in trouble. Oh, yes. Tell me about Steve McCoy. No, 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 no. Not, not, not Steve. This was uh, a guy. I pastored a church, and when I left, he took over. And um, smart dude, really smart dude. And he got in trouble because he wouldn't end every prayer with, in Jesus' name. Hmm. He wouldn't end many of his prayers in the name of Christ, in Jesus' yep. name. Sometimes he would just name, for your glory. You know, Jimmy... Your phone is your your your, your little watch mm. has been going off all day. Mm. Every and every time we record, mm. why, why don't you why don't you turn off your dingers and your ringers? Don't worry you, about it. On, don't man. worry about it. Don't worry about it. Anyways, this guy got in trouble because he didn't use the, the special magic words. Yeah. Now I do think it's good, right? It's it's we should be invoking the name of Jesus in our prayers. Absolutely agreed. If the only time you say Jesus in your formal prayers, I don't know, there might be something missing. But uh, no, I agree. You don't have to say in Jesus' name. Uh, but it is good to use the name of Christ to call on uh, the the mercy of Christ and and definitely as we trust in Jesus. But it also says by the help of the Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Romans eight. Uh, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You've preached on this passage before, I believe, Jimmy. I think I, I think we did at the uh, oh the Spirit Conference, the Spirit ah, in the Church. Ah, that's right. Yes, yes, with, yes, with, yes, yes. With Dougie Wilsons. With Doug Wilsons, yeah. <laughs> Why are you going to make Doug fun Wilson? of Doug? Huh? Doug Wilson. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking Doug Logan. Yeah, Don't say that. Don't say that. But yeah, I mean, this is this is a passage that a lot of uh, uh, churches will use to say, "Well, look, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words." And I mean, they would use that as 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 an opportunity Should to about say, a Honda. Um, "Yes, yeah. for I, I can't interpret that, so I don't know why you're sharing that utterance with me." Oh, I thought you had the gift. No, I, I I do not have that gift. But I mean, as as we look at this passage, I think really. What the focus here is, is that the Spirit helps us that when we are too weak, when we are Mm -hmm. too down, we are depressed, when we are in the midst of despair, when we can't even utter a prayer, the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. That's a great grace of God. Yeah. When all you have left is groaning. That's it. And the Spirit is is right there with us. I mean, this idea of, you know, praying with the help of the Spirit, I think it's Jude that says pray in the Spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's June. It's first John. I don't remember. But the point is, is that like frequently we see uh, the connection between the Holy Spirit and prayer. Uh, anybody that wants to kind of push back against that isn't reading their Bible. So yeah. we want to be spirit filled believers who are walking, you know, in the spirit, who uh, praying uh, in, in submission to God, empowered by the spirit. And that's going to take on different shapes and forms at different times. But clearly we need the spirit's help to pray because we are weak. Yeah. Our, our, our flesh is weak. We are sometimes you know, tempted, discouraged, and God hasn't left us alone. Real prayer 
is going to be in the name of Jesus. Yep. It's, we're going to be helped by the Spirit, and it's going to be according to His will. We mentioned this mm. earlier, First John 5.14, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, by hears us, it, means, it doesn't mean that He simply hears, because God hears everything, but that He hears us, He's kindly disposed to us, and He, he answers, right? He answers. Yeah. So when we're talking about praying in accordance with the will of God, there's two ways to think about that. You can pray in accordance with the will of God as reflected in his revealed will, right? The scripture. Um, when we pray, we should pray in accordance with his revealed will. We should pray in accordance with what's in scripture, not just how we pray, but what are we praying for? Yeah. We have a, we have a very clear and broad, uh, boundaries within which we are to pray and what we should be praying for, what we should be seeking, asking God for. Um, but we're also, when we pray in accordance with his sovereign will, which you cannot know. So you can know his His revealed will, because that's mm-hmm. in scripture. You can't know his sovereign will, which is what he has preordained to come to pass. And when you are praying in conjunction with uh, his revealed will, we know that he hears us, but he still may not give us what we're asking for in the yeah. time that we ask it. But when we pray in accordance with his sovereign will, then we, and we won't know until after the fact, then we know he absolutely does answer and give us the desire of our hearts. Speaking of desire. Oh, yeah. The, the deepest desire. The, well, I don't know about the deepest desire. One of the deepest? Well, I'll, I will say one of the deepest a desires. Deeper, a deeper desire. No, no. One of the deepest desires uh, is to get a hold of the Media Gratia documentaries. And they've been sponsoring us this month. Uh, they are a small nonprofit ministry that makes incredible documentaries and multimedia Bible studies. And we're going to tell you this week about a project they made called Behold Your God, Rethinking God Biblically, and it's a multimedia Bible study. Mm-hmm. There's a 12-week plug-and-play multimedia Bible study in the character of God, applying who God is to what we do as Christians. Love it. We deal, uh, they, well, they're going to deal with subjects like worship, service, evangelism, holiness, and the dangers of pragmatism and false conversion. Look out! Yeah. So they go to they go to England, Scotland, Wales, uh, and New England to incorporate the witness of the church uh, and church history throughout uh, a lot of significant figures that uh, you're going to want to know about. And twelve people, including people like uh, Edwards, Rutherford, and even the antihero Charles Finney. Yeah. Now, Joe's if you're offended, mentor. If you're Joe's mentor. First of all, it's pronounced mentor, and second of mentor. all, Finney uh, was not my mentor. Uh, but uh, and if you're offended because we said antihero, and listen, Finney was. Uh, technically a heretic so it's okay uh, this features <laughs> contributions from Paul Washer Richard Owen Roberts hey I know that guy uh, Conrad Mabiwe, uh Anthony Mathenia and more now this is a 13 DVD set uh, and a corresponding daily devotional workbook uh, that each person in the study uh, will need their own copy of uh, this entire first week of study the, yeah. the entire first week of that study is available for free for your evaluation at mediagradier.org or what we like, the easier one to go to is themeansofgrace.org. So you can go and check it out. You can check out that whole first week and see if you like it. And then you go and get that Behold Your God, Rethinking God Biblically. So Joe, continuing on, I mean, how should we pray then? Yeah, that's that's the question that... That, you know, the confession is answering here to, to a pretty good degree. It says with understanding, reverence, humility, fervency, faith, love, perseverance, and in a known tongue. So when we pray, we ought to be praying with understanding, mm. right? Meaning that you should know what you are praying for, to whom you are praying, why you are praying. Like you should Not just pray. like empty abyss. Yeah. 
don't just babble meaninglessly, but there should be a point. There should be a plea. There, I mean, you can certainly talk to God, but even then, even if you're just sharing, just talking to the Lord, you're, you have an aim, right? Your aim is to rely on him, to grow, to draw closer mm-hmm. to him and to gain wisdom from him. So to pray with understanding means that, that we are going about it thoughtfully as well implicitly here as well as biblically yeah uh, when we talk about praying reverently right like we are uh we are seeking god in that right like we are we're looking to him uh to give him glory right and so we we're looking at the carry honestly like well part of this with reverence and i'm going to jump on humility at the mm-hmm. same time yeah, right? they go together they go together there because as you see god for who he is you can't help but to see how unworthy you are to be in this position to be praying and talking with the creator of the entire universe. This is particularly important in corporate worship and public prayer because when you're praying aloud uh, or quietly, but if you're praying aloud, then you're leading other people and you're, by virtue of your example, you are teaching them. Yeah. You're teaching them how to pray. It doesn't have to be this big, for thou, O Lord, are majestic. Yeah, that, 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 honestly, I don't think that's reverent. I just think that's, uh, you're, you're play acting yeah. at that point. You're right. It's, it's like, that's not how we talk. That's, uh, so, you know, in reverence and, and humility means that you approach God as God. He yeah. is God. That's who, the one to whom you are addressing, pleading, and you know who you are. You are a sinner in need of mercy. So it's not like, Yo, yo, what up? What up, G? Oh, no, big don't, G? Don't, what don't, up, big no, G? That's no. not how you approach God, okay? No. Uh, and, and again, some people would say, like, well, aren't you, you sort of uh, just coming up with some unbiblical uh, example that doesn't really have any weight? Uh, I'm saying that the way that we approach God and talk to God matters. Yeah. Right? To, to talk to him reverently doesn't mean that there, you can't use various names and approach him with affection, but it means that he is not your bro. Yeah. Uh, so talk to him for the God that he is in light of the sinner that you are yep. made a saint by his grace. So that I think is really important. And that, you know, that, that shouldn't cancel out fervency, right? Fervency mm. is another way that we should be praying, right? Reverence, humility, but fervency. There should be a, a passion and a zeal and an interest. And that's going to be expressed differently by different people, right? Some people are very quiet, even in their passion. They're very yep. calm people. Um, other people are loud. But um, but there there ought to be real affection. There ought to be urgency. Um, you know, often oftentimes there's going to be real sorrow. You know, the the fervency is going to be reflected in different ways based on the need, the kind of prayer, uh, what you're praying about. But uh, you know, fervency means that you're you actually if 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 understanding means that you under that you know what you're praying, what you're asking for, and whom you're praying, if if reverence and humility means that you're approaching him in the right way with with a, with an attitude of of submission then fervency would be a kind of boldness that comes from knowing he hears me, not because I'm worth hearing, but because Jesus um, has reconciled us. And through Jesus, he does hear me and, and I have real needs. And so here we're talking about a kind of, uh, of eagerness. Yeah. And with that fervency, then like that boldness that we're talking about is based upon that, this faith that we have in him, mm-hmm. right? Knowing that he is a good God, a God that hears us, a God that mm-hmm. loves us, a God that seeks after our flourishing and our good and will give us what is best for us, not necessarily what we ask or think we need, right? Yeah. And so we have faith knowing that uh, our God uh, listens, he hears, and he moves into action uh, for our good. And that's important because 
like that's a really good thing that you're that point that you're making, right? That um that faith, yes, it means that I believe God yep. and that I believe in God, but also that I trust God and I trust his answer. Yep. And even though his answer may not be what I want. Yep. Now James talks about this whole idea of like you you pray and you don't even believe. You don't even believe that, that God's going to answer, then you're not, you're not, you know, if you're asking God to give you something and then saying at the same time, he ain't going to do it, yeah. you're not praying. So there needs to, on the one hand, be an optimism. I, Lord, I'm praying in submission to your will that you give me this. And I believe that you are going to give me this because I think this is best. But if he says, no, that's not best, then you humbly receive that. And yep. you say, no, thank you, Father, for knowing better. You know, I thought I, I thought this was the better way. But for whatever reason, in your mysterious providence, you're saying no. And that's why love is so important, right? We should pray in love because God is not a vending machine. God yeah. is not a, a spiritual kiosk that you go to to just, you know, get the goods that you want. Uh, we don't use him. We love him. And we love him because he first loved us. And love then is what softens us in in receiving from God both the things that are good and easy and the things that are painful and hard, mm. right? So I think lo- the way that that love is included in here for me is the most arresting because I can get the understanding, reverence, humility, fervency, faith, perseverance, right? And in a known tongue for sure. But love, love reminds me that I'm talking to the God who loves me. Mm. And so my, my response and approach to him should also be characterized by love. And we should be praying in perseverance, right? Just continually. Uh, we're not going to get – oftentimes, we're not going to get the answer right away. Yep. It's going to take time. Mm-hmm. It's going to take seasons. I mean, I know uh, Joe has talked about um, praying for his parents, their salvation. And that was years of praying for that, right? Uh, there are things that – Praying for my wife to like me. That still hasn't been answered yet. No, that one was answered. I wouldn't, oh. wouldn't have got married. She didn't like me. Oh. I had to pray for a long time before she was my oh, wife. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Dummy. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have to persevere in prayer and not give up and to continually uh, seek after God, to seek his will and to, to uh, plea with him. Yeah. And then it says, uh, and when with others in a known Go ahead, Joe. Tonguey tongue. Yep, go ahead, Joe. I'm going to go ahead and put the mic up and let you take oh, this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. <laughs> All right. So the point here is that when the church is gathered, you pray in a language everyone can understand so that everyone is edified, so that everyone can pray with you. Ain't nobody praying with you if they can't understand you. So this is good, right? When with others, pray in a known tongue. Now, some people... uh some of our friends who are continuationists and they believe that there is still a gift of tongues and uh, it, you know, it ought to be implemented in the church and everything. We obviously, we disagree. We are classic cessationists, not of the MacArthur variety, uh, but, uh, but yeah, we do believe that those apostolic gifts and signs have ceased as a normative function of the church. doesn't mean that God can't do what, you know, God can do whatever he wants to do. But what we see happening is um, a cessation of those gifts operating today. And that uh, some people, but some people who believe that they are still in operation would say, well, okay, well, in the confession, it's saying when you're in the public gathering, you can't use your private prayer language tongues. But when you're, but when you're in private, you can use your private prayer language and tongues. And that's okay. It's really not addressing that. But um, the point here is to understand that our prayer is connected to the body. We're all praying together. We're all praying to the Lord. 
So it ought to be understandable. And all of this kind of gets us to the, uh, the, the basic question, right? What, yeah. what is prayer? Like, what are we talking about? And we've addressed this before. You can search prayer, uh, on our website, doctrineanddevotion.com to see that we've talked about prayer quite a bit. Um, but we'll re- we will revisit it here briefly to ask that question. Yeah. What is prayer? So the Baptist Catechism, uh, asked that question. What is prayer? And it says, prayer is an offering up our desires to God by the assistance of the Holy Spirit for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ, believing with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgments of his mercies. I love it. I mean, of course, we ripped that off from the Westminster, but, yeah, yeah, but, well, yeah, but we'll take it. We'll take it. You know, but I, I love this idea that um, that prayer is an offering up of our desires. Like, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, you're supposed to lift up your desires to God, and, uh, and and trust Him with your desires. I mean, think about think about the, the the desires that you have, the yearnings and the longings. And sometimes we don't share those with people because it's private. And you're like, oh, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, and I don't want people to know. What if it doesn't happen? Mm-hmm. God is certainly the one you can trust with your yes. desires. But these are things that we ask uh, in the assistance of the Holy Spirit that are agreeable to his will. And again, agreeable to his revealed will, certainly. We offer this in the name of Christ, believing, and we do so with the confession of our sins and thankfully acknowledging all of his mercies. But, Jimmy, I think our favorite definition is from John Bunyan. Oh, do you want to read this? I'll let you read it. I know how much you like Bunyan. John Bunyan has a great treatise on prayer. You can get it as a Puritan paperback. We'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, Bunyan defines prayer like this. Prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate, pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ in the strength and the assistance of the Holy Spirit for such things as God has promised or according to the word for the good of the church with submission in faith to the will of God. That is the best definition Mm. of prayer alive outside of scripture. It is fantastic. It hits everything that we've been talking about in plainer words even. So it hits it all, right? It's sincere, yep. uh, sensible, affectionate. It's a pouring out of the heart, right? You see how that is sort of reflected, kind of re- it reflects the mm-hmm. tone of, of the of the catechism. It's in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's in the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's something that we could trust on because of his promises according to the word and is for the good of the church right. in faith to the will of God. So it, it, just don't, don't miss that, right? We promise for those, th- we pray for those things that are promised. We pray for those things that are spoken of in the word with submission and faith to God's will. Again, meaning his will is best. Like whatever he chooses, however he chooses to answer this, it has to be okay with me. It has to be because mm-hmm. he's God and I'm not. So question is, what are we supposed to do with this? Yeah. Well, we should be worshiping the Lord in prayer, right? Yeah. So what what does that mean for us? Well, I think it should be prioritized in the public ser- in the public worship, right? So as we gather together as as uh, as the church, we should be uh, desiring to have prayer as part of our public worship, mm. whether it's uh, you know led or responsive or or s- times of silence. I mean, these we we should be having our liturgy chalked full of prayer, right? And not only should you prioritize it in public worship, and that takes a lot of work, and that, that means you've got to get leadership on board and, and all of that, but uh, you should also be developing it in your personal life. And I say develop it because, you know, it doesn't just happen. Yeah, uh, Prayer is a spiritual discipline that requires effort. You know, there are some people that are wired in such a way that it just comes more naturally to them. But for most Christians that I know, it is something that they have to be taught. 
they have to learn it. I mean, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, right? And they were walking with Jesus every day. So to develop it in your personal life means that you understand its value, you you understand your need, and uh, and you're hungry to be close to God. And so you have to begin to put in practices that are going to help you do that. And there are tons of ways to develop it, right? There are there are resources and books that you can read. You can set alarm or alarms and times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could even um, ask people to hold you accountable or pray with you. Yeah, and by that, we mean cultivate it with your friends and your family. So uh, those that you're close with, um, you could be praying with them and, and uh, seeking the Lord with them, as well as, especially with families, right? With Show your children, show your children what it is to pray. And, and with your spouse as well, take time to, to pray for each other, for your families, for situations that are going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let your, let your relationship, right? Like it's, it's, you, you want, I, I do a horrible job of it. You know, I want my marriage to be gospel centered, right? Like I want it to be, uh, biblically grounded, um, and, and Christ centered. And so I should be praying with my wife. You know, I should be praying with my wife as we're, uh, studying God's, studying God's word together. Uh, yeah. and, and actually because I love her, I, I want to be praying to God for her, yeah. you know, for her flourishing, for her own uh, uh, situations that she's going through or or for her to grow in her relationship with the Lord. And I know cultivating it with your friends and even your family is going to be awkward. It's going to be awkward. It's going to feel unnatural if you haven't been doing it. Yeah. It's, it feels unnatural when you start and that's okay. Don't quit when you probably just didn't feel right, didn't feel natural, felt like we were being fake and phony. You're not being fake and phony. You're learning. It takes time, and uh, and it'll never feel natural. It'll never it'll never come easy if you don't start and persevere in it. Yeah. So put in the hard work, and of course, we got recommendations for you. Thing, things that we like, resources that we like. Jimmy, what are uh, what are some resources that uh, you like that uh, that help with prayer? Yeah, I mean the the Valley of Vision, that Puritan. It's one uh, of the greatest. It, it's a fantastic prayer book. It's actually one that we use uh, quite regularly for our liturgy, for our responsive yep. readings and our prayer time. Uh, I use it for uh, my own personal devotions. It's um, It's it's a fantastic resource. I can't recommend it enough. I know uh, years ago, many many moons ago, uh, Joe put together a uh, a devotion or how, how like a reading guide for it's it. It's a right? reading schedule, basically. And I'll I'll try and remember to link to this in the show notes. But um, it's 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 basically a, a prayer guide for the Valley of Vision, the leather bound edition, because um, the pages are different. Uh, but you you print it out, you put it inside, and um, and it it tells you which prayer from the Valley of Vision you're supposed to read at 9 a.m., at 12, and at 3. Now you can make whatever time you want, but that's what I have set for me, and uh, and that's Monday through Friday. And so you uh, you basically set an alarm on your phone or your watch, and uh, it reminds you, hey, it's 9 a.m., time to pray, and you. You, you look it up in your Valley of Vision, you go, oh, I'm supposed to pray this song and Psalm, or not Psalm, but this particular prayer. And you open it up and you read it. It takes you, you know, 60 seconds, 90 yeah. seconds. And, uh, I have found that to be really refreshing for me personally when my prayer life gets cold. Um, so make sure you grab both of those. I would, I would say Bible in the Closet by Thomas Watson and Samuel Lee. Uh, it, it might be hard to find, but, uh, Bible in the closet is great. And the closet is the section on prayer. It was very, very helpful to me personally. What about, uh, praying through the Bible, right? 
Praying Through the Bible by Don Whitney. Oh, yeah. Praying the Bible. I yeah, think Praying the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is good. That's yeah, fantastic. That's a, and it's small, too. Yes. It's a nice small little bit. Soup, man, it it has it is more helpful than most big books on prayer. Yeah. It's great. It's really, really good. We already mentioned Bunyan on prayer. Uh, for those of, you, uh, those of you that like to uh, go uh, ancient and uh, deep, uh, check out Herman Witsius' Sacred Dissertations on the Lord's Prayer, another uh, really influential book for me. Love and, that a lot. And then finally, I, I would uh, just want to throw in there a, a Praying Life by Paul Miller. Miller. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, those are great resources. You need, it's like we need to read books on prayer because we most of us tend to struggle with yeah. prayer. And and it's 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 just like anything, right? If somebody gets into uh running or cooking or jujitsu or whatever, uh one of the things that they really wind up doing is they wind up reading a lot about the thing that they're into mm-hmm. and, and or telling you all about it every opportunity uh that they get. Yeah. Don't be looking at me. So <laughs> the uh because what that does is it gives you information, so it's educating you on the one hand, and and that education, right, that that, that filling your mind with these truths, it, it further equips you to not only understand, but then to practice the discipline as well. Yeah. So the book doesn't change your life, but God can use good books like this to uh, to influence you in such a way that your life does change. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You could follow us online on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Diva or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website, DrVotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, JoeFoStore.com, and grab some gear. Fresh pot every Monday and Thursday. Blog post on Wednesdays. Later. Later.